You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition of the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Wednesday, the 10th of August 2022. With your uh, usual Wednesday afternoon drive time show presenters, myself Shajid Ahmed and also Dr. Tariq Bajwa here with us uh, as well. Um, very, very offen- uh, eventful um, weekend, uh, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's wonderful. I was just mentioning about the, the weather, how hmm. God Almighty was so kind to us. Absolutely. That, uh, all three days, it was such a pleasant weather hmm. um, and beautiful summery days. Uh, and uh, the um, arrangements for us are beautiful because hmm. uh, you know, inside the marquee, the air condition was working very well. Hmm. And uh, I think most of the time, it was very enjoyable um, listening to the speeches, uh, particularly, of course, during the um, addresses of the His Holiness, Hazrat uh, Mirza Masura, the head of the community. May Allah strengthen his hands. You know, his presence was a sheer blessing. And then listening to him, both in the ladies' and men's side, um, and it's excellent because we 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 managed to listen to hmm. um, to him uh, for the Friday prayers, and then uh, another speech, and then next day we have. Two speeches, one in women, one in men, and the third day speech as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a blessing. And the oath of allegiance, uh, yeah, allegiance yeah, that, that ceremony as well. Event, yeah. You may be wondering what uh, you know what we're talking about or how this was uh, eventful. I mean, you just heard how it was eventful, but um, the 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 Jalsa Salana was what was held uh, on uh, on this weekend, which just passed five, six, seven uh, of uh, of August. And uh, the Jalsa Salana, which is the annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, which was actually initiated, it was started by the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community himself, the promised Messiah upon whom be peace. Um, and, uh, you know, that's something which uh, which continues on. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned, it's an annual event, annual gathering, an annual conference. Um, so it happens every year due to the, you know, due to the pandemic. The, the, the UK convention is normally... Uh, in normal conditions, or normal in you know, in, in normal conditions, in a normal year, it would be an international event. But because of the you know because of the restrictions, and we do want to stay a little bit uh, you know, there's still some precautions. Um, it was just limited to the UK as well, and uh, some dignitaries were invited from overseas. But hopefully, you know, as His Holiness also still prayed, we had a very good number. We had a good number, twenty-six thousand. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great number because normally. Uh, of course, when it was international jalsa, mm. um, uh, we had up to forty-five thousand. We have had people coming from all over the world, but uh, uh, considering that it was limited just to the UK membership, it was mm. um, a considerable number of people, so considerable uh, both number men and people, women, yeah. and children were also allowed. So that was a great yeah, activity, and and children. We were just talking about, uh, you know, um, that it's the activity. 
which matters. Yeah. That it's a, an excellent food which is served during the annual con- yeah, conference absolutely, and absolutely. Uh, annual convention. It's uh, yeah, the people. Uh, well, I, I can still at least uh, talk about myself that I love the food which I is love the f- yeah, uh, I mean, I can say that as well. You can't get that kind of a taste. It's a very healthy food as well. And uh, it's a special taste. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, the children also, there was a special um, fulfillment, fulfillment of their needs <laughs> and desires. <laughs> needs and, and desires, you yeah. Know, with the pasta and uh, all the other stuff. And they, they, they love to eat as well. And uh, the topic we are going to uh, talk today is also related to the children, particularly. Also, it is it's true for the men as well. But that, you know, when they eat, they they need to digest as well. Hmm. Of course, their metabolism is much uh, higher than than the adults who have raised their maturity, who um, have, have reached their maturity, and they. But the children, because they are growing age, um, their requirements, their requirements, obviously yeah. the nourishment, yeah. the requirement of their nutrition is quite a lot as compared to the adult who has grown up. Yeah, that's uh, true. But that's true. having said that, the, the problem we have had is, in some cases, be, the children have started putting on weight, and um, as you see, there is a, there is an uh, epidemic of uh, obesity, particularly in United States, and to some extent in the United Kingdom as well, and mm. the children have got involved into that as well. But it has had both positive and negative effects, that people have gone to the other extreme. Mm. And the mm. basic teaching of the Holy Quran is that there should be a balance, because the balance is beauty. You know, wherever you'd lose the balance, you either mm. way, if you deviate to one side, and the be- and the beauty is lost. That's true. So That's true. so that that is what is that that yes you have to maintain your weight, but if you become overconscious and you start taking precautions to the extent to the whereas, extreme, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you remember that uh, you know when you are uh, passing through the month of Ramadan, hmm. um, the children are not allowed to fast. Yeah. No, well there yeah. is a wisdom behind it. Uh, it's not that the uh, you know the Holy Quran has particularly. This is a commandment, mm. and it is uh, one of the obligation for every adult Muslim. But it has particularly mentioned that it is for adults and not for children. So there is a reason behind that. Mm. So children who become overconscious, obviously there is uh, there is a peer pressure, there is effect of the society, there is a general environment in which uh, the children, some of them, they they start becoming very conscious and they start, um, you know dieting hmm. unnecessarily hmm. Uh, whereas if you are active enough then you need to fulfill your n- nutrition because you are growing hmm. so when Absolutely. you are growing you have to take care of that and i think it's a you know it's also a society a societal thing as well people in the modern day and age people you know where social media is so much uh, available and everyone is on social media so especially the youngsters they go on these different outlets uh, as well and then they see, you know, you know, these supposedly what you are supposed to look like. The men are supposed to look like this. Supposedly the yeah. women are supposed to look like this. And they want to also, you know, look like that as well. Uh, and then they... You so know, a lot of effect of media, exactly. a lot of effect exactly. of, uh, you know, the, the watching movies, watching mm. the cartoon programs. Um, and, and they start idealizing, idealizing their heroes. Yeah. And, exactly. Uh, that's and that's and what it is. That, that does have an effect. So... What does what does what does Allah the Almighty say? He you know in regards to eating and drinking, um, there are so many injunctions um, you know which we can find in the Holy Quran. There's uh, you know there's a few narrations as well of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. 
What such one such uh, verse is in chapter two, verse one hundred and seventy-three of the Holy Quran, where Allah the Almighty states, in fact, He instructs that, "O ye who believe, eat of the good things we have provided for you, and render thanks to Allah, if it is He whom you worship." So we see, you know, in, in you know, in, in different uh, places in the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty states that, "Eat and drink." But do not exceed the limit. You know, keep in the boundary. Keep, you know, be be moderate. And moderation is key as well. Now, some statistics uh, as well before we get into some more detail. With more than a quarter of children in England on diets, an alarming increase in children trying to lose weight has been has actually been observed. And that's something that we, you know, as as we as we are talking about, we're discussing, uh, you know, in this part of the show. To a survey of more than 34,000 children and teenagers published in archives of di- of disease in childhood shows the proportion of children trying to lose weight has increased from 21% in 1997 to nearly 27% in 2016 and obviously you know the one of the main reasons factors of of this is is definitely due to you know you know the um the way that the, the eating patterns the social media that we spoke about is all idealizing different people. Uh, the British Nutrition Foundation has said that healthy eating is about having a balance of different foods and, nutri- and nutrients in the diet for good health and well-being. Eating a variety of different foods from each of the food groups can help us get the full range of nutrients our bodies um, our bodies need. Of of course, you know, eating different things, eating, uh, uh, you know, expanding your sort of uh, your diet expanding the you know the variety of uh, the foods that you're eating don't just eat one thing sometimes you know f- people from different cultures uh, we may seem that uh, you know they they tend to just eat one particular thing and they're not satisfied if they get something else but you know it's important to try other things as well it's important to have your greens your vegetables your fruits um of course you know your your carbohydrates and all of these other th- other things but then we see on the other hand, people there are some people who diet and then they go to such extreme that they completely okay they say okay you know what I'm not going to have any sort of meat, and yeah. then they 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 comp- on other people they turn completely they say okay you know what no sort of uh, carbohydrate whatsoever keto diets yeah, and then intermittent fasting and then various things on top of that and on top of that, and then you know it just leads from one thing to another. And sometimes you see that because of these different things, because they are, their bodies are in need of the different nutrients from you know from meat, from carbohydrates, from these different greens, from, from you know vegetables and all these things, they 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 have a deficiency deficiency in the in that one. So then they have to rely on the tablets, and that <laughs> yeah. can have their own yeah, problems. That's, that's the thing. You know, uh, Hazrat, um, um, the holy founder of the Amli Muslim yes. community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam um, <coughs> he, he may peace be upon him. He he always advised that yes, you can. You know when 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 it comes to fasting. Yeah. You know he gave the advice that yes yes you can have a like make the, make them you know getting a habit of uh, you know a little taste of a small rosa small fast like for a short period they can 
have like intermittent fasting yeah. for a little while and uh, there is a tendency nowadays to to go on to intermittent fasting having looked yeah. at the effects which are the positive effects of the fasting which is a very typical intermittent fasting mm. Uh, mm. but the ch- for the children in particular he said that because one they are growing and then they are also in uh, they are students yeah. and when you are studying of course your brain is um collecting all the data onto onto your hard disk of the brain and and <laughs> yeah. if you are uh, interfere at that time of course it is going to affect you in a long term hmm. because uh, these synaptic connections neurotransmitters they are they are making new connections at that time so uh, so so basically um, talking into the um sort of semi medical terms as well that the neuro um transmitters which are transmitting the information and making the new synapses they are activating your brain mm. and uh, if you are interfering with that process of course in the long run mm. uh, whereas you yeah. can benefit the society as a whole much at a much higher level if you interfere with that by just uh, uh, you, you, you know just because you think at that time of course these of children course, course. they need to understand the whole philosophy and uh, they need um they, they need a lot of uh, attention basically mm. because uh, if somebody can give them time and make them understand it may be parents it may be teachers mm. it may be colleagues it may be um you know some counseling services as well uh, because of course uh, there was a a pressure at one stage where because as i mentioned earlier that there was an uh, obesity epidemic and and that had a negative influence on many children mm. and mm. they thought that this is the image they had a certain image in their minds they want to create that and if they can't see and i've i've seen personally you yeah. know the children as small as like few years old yeah. you know yeah. um, even 3 4 years old they they are having that you know not eating because they have that image that oh i am too fat yeah. although they are they are absolutely fine they're, they're normal but absolutely. because of this impression uh, or or uh, image they have made in their mm. in their uh, mind um that that's how they start behaving and and that does not limit on to that one because they have a negative influence on their mood as well yeah. and that if you're not that's eating true. properly your sleep is affected yeah. and sleep is a basic essential for the normal especially, development yeah, of your brain as well. well you need uh, you need rest and especially uh, for young kids as well isn't it Absolutely. especially for the, the young kids age. it's it's quite right what you mentioned as well that you know when it, when it comes to when it comes to children especially particularly diet is also very very much important but also sleeping patterns are very important as well as, as we are going through the summer holidays right now sleeping patterns might be up here and yeah, there yeah, they, they might be, be a yeah. bit uh, you uh, know and then it, it also because your routine is disturbed your routine is disturbed and yeah. then you know you compensate it with something because if you have nothing else to yeah. do you you go and grab something to eat and then yeah. It, it's also important what are you eating you know if you got candies available all the time or the fizzy drinks or yeah. the, the things which are purely uh, fine refined carbohydrates which mm. is not good for you they make you put on weight and um, um, instead if you are eating fruit which is healthy mm. um, uh, if you are eating healthy things it doesn't really matter but um, if you are active then also you need to fulfill your nutrition and that should be fulfilled with something which is healthier you know meat and eggs and and uh, fruits and vegetables rather than uh, readily available things which are like um, 
junk food. Or again, again I, I've, I've seen that people, you know, yeah. getting a, a big packets of candies and yeah. pure sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't even give it a second thought just yeah. because the child wants it. And That's they're true. Busy. Yeah. It's true because I've seen, I've seen it happen uh, uh, as well in front of me as well that sometimes uh, mothers, or ch- they will give their children, um, you know, young children, yeah. one or two years old, fizzy drinks. And, 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 and that's just and, and come on. Sweet, you, sweet, can, you cannot do that. Yes, sweet's purely made of sugar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, of course, you know, in order to uh, <laughs> have a positive effect on children, the the parents they need to be uh, informed. And if they are well informed, mm. of course, they can guide their children uh, in a much better way. In a way, the children who will be behaving like that, mm. they they are actually uh, calling for help, actually, that's so that they are helped yeah. by the parents. Exactly. That uh, exactly. Th- somebody can make them understand that this is this is what is the best thing to, to do. Now, when it comes to, you know, the way, the way you should eat or the, the uh, you know, the, the, the method of, uh, of eating as well, the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said that when you begin to eat, pronounce the name of Allah, the Exalted. If you forget the beginning, say in the name of Allah, first and last. I mean, it's an Arabic prayer. This is just the translation of that one. And this is one of the key ways to keep, uh, to keep Satan away from, uh, from what you're eating and sort of helps you in ma- maintaining a healthy diet. There's another, you know, as I mentioned, there's, there's various different um, narrations. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has also said that you know, don't um, well when you eat, profess um, or pronounce the name of Allah the Allah the Exalted, but also eat from your right hand and eat from what is in front of you. Don't just you know, don't just grab something from here and there, and uh, eat eat from you know from both of your hands. Some people eat from both hands. Um, you know, you should try your best to eat from your right hand, from what's in front of you, and keep it neat and tidy as well. And, uh, you know, he, he, the, His Holiness or, the, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has also said that, you know, if you, if you, have, a, if you have a plate in front of you, what, put something, put that in your plate, what you, what you will finish. And then if you need more, then go and get some more. Instead of filling your plate up and then leaving some things and wasting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, making those things go to waste as well. So p- presentation is also I- important. Yeah, it's very important. And then just looking at the factors, you know, what triggers dieting of uh, either intentionally or intentionally in the children. Mm. So one thing, as we mentioned earlier, that there's a body image. Body image as well. by yeah. one of the newspapers, Guardian, that just before COVID uh, hit, Weight Watchers, um, they released a free mobile app for kids to track their diets, mm. a launch criticized for promoting disordered eating in <laughs> children, and for sending the message, one, they are not um, alone in promoting, that ex- acceptance will only come once they have changed their bodies. Mm. So so this is some, something, ob- ob- I obviously, mean, I mean, they... Maybe that it was a a good intention the Weight Watchers they want uh, them to Weight Watch, but then we have to be very careful about the children, That's you know, the thing, how they it? take That's things. The thing. And then uh, they have, of course, poor eating habits. Against is the whole family's habits affect the children as well, and uh, they they need to grow up with a balanced uh, diet, and they they need a good sustenance, and um, uh, of course, um, you know, the, if. If the children are active and they're eating, well, that's fine because it creates a balance. Mm. But the problem comes when the activity is diminished. That's the thing. When they're sitting down on on their screens and there is no 
like um, check and balance yeah, on that. Yeah. You know how much time they were spending on on the on the screens. Sometimes, it's, uh, particularly during the holidays, it can mm. be uh, you know it can long be hours. hours and hours. Yeah, hours and hours, uh, literally. Because uh, it's a much easier option rather than you know trying to Taking, explain to children yeah. all the time if they're watching a program. Okay, they can just carry on. Mm. Um, but um, to engage them into particularly a healthy activity, going out into a park, going taking them to some, somewhere. Of course, it's um, it's more time consuming. It needs more attention. It mo- needs more uh, um, uh, sort of involvement of the of the, the parents as well. Um, but definitely, it is much more healthier if they can go out and and mm. uh, particularly the outdoor activities has been reduced. Uh, particularly during this pandemic, has uh, also has had uh, an know, effect. Yeah, that's true. So down true. people, uh, whereas they were normally they are coming back to some some people are are, are returning, but. Of course, um, that that can be one factor, and that is one of the factors, which is that all the stressful events, stressful events. when something exactly. happens, exactly. Uh, you know, even somebody at home is not well, it can affect you as a whole. The, the whole uh, family is affected, and um, that can affect uh, not only one person, but um, and they they turn to eating. You know, mm. eating mm. is one of the one of the like. Uh, uh, thing which you depend on mm. uh, if you don't have anything else uh, to do uh, yeah. then you just go and grab something to eat and uh, of course it is comforting because if, if you are being provided with with sugar mm. in your blood it's going to raise your blood sugar level yeah and um, it, it might uh, reduce temporarily your stress yeah but again it is make, going to make you feel more hungry next yeah. time yeah. and you're going to eat more and then you're going true. to put on weight more as well and you also you know it's, it's it, it can be other things uh, as well you know you just mentioned mentioned stressful events as well they could be as i you know, as you just mentioned but on, on top of that sometimes you know families they move they move they move houses they obviously when you move house if you live in a if you go to a different neighborhood a different yeah. city you have to change the school sometimes uh, what happens is that they may even have stressful events in the school the experience in school might not be that fun the as well bullying they has might been get a bullied. major factor actually. exactly it has been uh, yeah and uh, still it is there exactly um, uh, it might have been reduced but Still, there a lot of children have to go through, and it's quite stressful for the children hmm. uh, if they are going to. Uh, and there is a there is a peer pressure as well, peer pressure and as that, well. that is affected. So all these they they lead to um, uh, uh, dietary ch- changes, and uh, it can result into um, either weight gain or abnormal weight loss to the hmm. extent that some children they suffer from. Um, from a medical condition which yeah. is called anorexia yeah. and anorexia is actually a mental health problem because where you you take your normal image as an abnormal mm. to the extent that you start binging and you you don't eat and even if you eat you start you know throwing up, throwing uh, up intentionally on, on purpose yeah on purpose mm. and uh, that leads to a very negative effects on health because you are losing Along with your food, what you lose, you lose a lot of electrolytes, uh, mm. which are essential for your body, like potassium, like calcium, mm. like, and because of the lack of that, your life becomes in danger. Mm. Um, so, in fact, you are uh, endangering yourself with a negative impact in the long run. So, uh, the, the, they are more common in, in teenagers, though, isn't it? Yeah, where, where, because yeah, obviously because the, pr- the, the pressure is much more. Teenagers are more conscious of their more weight as of well and their body image as yeah, well. That's true. So of course, it is. Uh, they are especially affected uh, in in that stage. Exactly. Now, 
also, you know, when it comes to all of these, uh, all of these things, uh, what impacts of weight loss uh, can be found in children? Now, some of the physical impacts of sudden weight loss in children can be general weakness, and uh, they might they might feel a little bit uh, lethargic, um, excessive sleepiness or insomnia as well. So it's it's both ends of the spectrum as well. We see excessive sleepiness, but also insomnia as well. Um, loss of appetite, as we mentioned, uh, vomiting also. Diarrhea can be one of them, or constipation. So all these things are uh, related. Something which is also connected to this is dehydration and decreased um, urination as well. Also, sore throats and coughs, um, uh, abdo- uh, uh, abdominal um, dis- uh, discomfort, some may feel fevered, uh, you know, feverish, uh, dizziness and fainting as well. So all these things are sort of physical impacts of uh, yeah, they, they, weight loss. Ha- they, they have both psychological as well as physical impacts. And uh, particularly, you know, if you're losing um, one, you're not providing the body with the nutrition, which is necessarily for their yeah. growth and yeah. development, both uh, um, nervous development, your brain development, as well as your... Uh, uh, physical development, the growth, it is going to be affected by the lack of the b- basic essential nutrients, which include the vitamins as well as uh, the basic elements of uh, of your food, which is protein, carbohydrates, fat. Some people think of fat as bad. Fat still is essential. Fatty acids are required for your brain. Uh, and if you, if you don't eat for fat at all, it is going to, to have a negative effect on you. Mm. So that is also essential. Your proteins are essential. Yeah. Your carbohydrates are also essential. So you can't just, you know, uh, um, avoid totally uh, a certain element of your diet. They all need to be in balance. Yeah. And uh, and in order to, to carry on um, having a healthy... Functioning the whole functioning body to be functioning body, properly as well. Important. Very, yeah, very much important as well. Uh, and, you know, so what is a balanced diet then? So eating a healthy, balanced diet is is uh, is vital, is, is very, very much important for, you know, maintaining good health and can sort of help you lead a better lifestyle uh, as well. Not just, not just uh, you know, in, in the present, but also in the long run as well. And this means that eating a wide variety, as we've just mentioned throughout the show, that it's important to have a wide variety of foods in the right proportions, and consuming the right amounts of food and drink to achieve and maintain healthy body weight as well. But it's not just about it's not just about the food and drink that you have. It's also about you know the the physical exercise that we are that we have been mentioning uh, as well. Let's speak to our guest who is on the line with us, Umera Malik, who's a clinical advice coordinator at Beat. Assalamualaikum, peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to this show. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for for joining us this afternoon on our talk. Um, to begin with, talking about um, talking about children and dieting in children, what triggers dieting in children, and does this lead to further eating disorders? Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that different factors might lead to dieting, um, and you know that can be difficult experiences, and you know there's so many different pressures that young people go through. Hmm. And you know, some of that is related to what you've already discussed in terms of the pressure on children and young people to look a certain way, and you know the thin ideal body type that's often pushed as the ideal, and that 
thought concept messages can worsen in self-esteem and negative body image. Hmm. And so that pressure to fit that certain body ideal can contribute to eating disorder behaviours. It can keep people unwell for longer. It can contribute to an eating disorder developing. Hmm. And when we talk about dieting, attempting to lose weight, it can also contribute to an eating disorder developing for someone who's already vulnerable or it might exacerbate someone who's already going through an eating disorder. And, you know, whilst we're talking about dieting, it's important to note that, you know, eating disorders are mental illnesses and so acknowledging the thoughts and feelings behind some of those physical behaviours is equally as important. Now, when, when someone is dieting, especially a, a, a young person, a, a, a young child, how can dieting at a at a young age impact one's uh, adult life? Um, so it can increase the likelihood of developing an eating disorder. Um, and it can equally be just as dangerous because children who are still growing and developing, they might not be getting the nutrition that they need. And if, you know, it does contribute to the development of an eating disorder, we know that early intervention is so important. Hmm. Um, and so the longer it... it that someone is struggling with those, with dieting and you know those eating disorder behaviours, it's important to address them as soon as possible um, to ensure the best chance of making a full recovery for somebody. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as suggested by 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 recent research, more than one in every four uh, child in England are actually dieting. So the question is, is that what measures can be taken by sort of parents and carers? Maybe even even school teachers as well to to ensure children's health, you know, physical health is not compromised even further. Yeah, I mean that's a really good question. We know we understand the importance of ensuring that children are healthy, hmm. um, and you know, sadly, dieting has become so normalised that some parents might believe that they're doing the right thing by putting their children on a diet. But yeah. you know, the focus should be on a healthy lifestyle. You know, getting enough sleep, time to rest, having a varied and balanced diet, doing things like getting involved in team activities, managing stress and having healthy relationships and something that parents can do is play a part by, you know, role modelling those behaviours themselves and preparing and eating meals together with with their children. And another thing that parents can do, you know, to help their children maintain a healthy lifestyle is having those open conversations. And so maintaining that line of communication. So if you know, a child is asking to go on a diet or you're a parent that's concerned about your child. There might be underlying factors that are there. And so something that we hear about on our helpline is people can worry about navigating that conversation and what to say. And so a good place to start beforehand is to prepare, you know, thinking about what you're concerned about in terms of your child or making sure that you're feeling as informed as possible before having that conversation. And, you know, we've got resources on our website that people are welcome to look at or you know people can contact us on our helpline to help parents navigate that conversation and then you want to you know think about when and where you want to have that conversation and you know we sort of say to talk to your loved one outside of meal times just because if someone is thinking about dieting or struggling with their eating those times of day might be more distressing and then when you think about where you want to have that conversation, you know, it's all about figuring out what works best for you both. For some people, that might be in a car journey, so you're side by side. And 
some people might choose to have that conversation over text or on paper and it might take some time to figure out what the best method of communication is and you know reminding children that that parents are there to support them and would encourage parents to approach these conversations sensitively asking open-ended questions and you know one thing that comes up that we hear about from parents is the worry about discussing food and weight and navigating that balance and because it can be such a sensitive subject it might be necessary to bring up food and weight to share those concerns but at the same time it's important to focus on the thoughts and the feelings behind that too mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so even if something that people might say is that they're fine and you know that part of having an eating disorder can sometimes be experiencing some denial and so keeping an eye on how someone is and not waiting too long before speaking to them again if you are concerned and the most important thing is you know if you are worried about your child or your teenager contacting their GP as soon as possible um, you know asking for an urgent appointment discussing that with your loved one and you know talking about a referral to a specialist eating disorder service so they can do an assessment absolutely absolutely some good uh, some good advice there as well um umera h- how does beat help uh, young ones in maintaining a healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. um so we provide you know confidential friendly non-judgmental advice and support for people with eating disorders mm. um as well as those caring for a loved one with an eating disorder so our helpline is available 365 days a year you know that's open from 9am till midnight on weekdays and then 4pm till midnight on weekends and bank holidays hmm. people can contact us via email they can call us we've got online support groups and we've also got a web chat um our phone number is 0808 um and our website is eatingdisorders.org.uk um that's our helpline. We've also got an online platform for parents and carers, which is called POD. Now that stands for Peer Support and Online Development. It's a space where parents and carers or anyone supporting somebody with an eating disorder, you know, that might be siblings, friends, any loved one, can access things like interactive training modules, access our carer services, um, tools for supporting their own mental health, which we know is really important. Um, sharing advice, worries with others, attending our groups and, you know, the opportunity to speak to some of our trainers as well. And earlier, you also mentioned school professionals who, you know, can also spot the signs of an eating disorder. So we've got a similar platform for school professionals called SPOT, um, which stands for Schools Professionals Online Training, hmm. which any anyone working at a school is welcome to access across the nation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, w- I was going to ask you if someone wants to get in touch, uh, but you know, you've you've mentioned uh, uh, the 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 number as well, the hotline. Omera, um, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon and speaking to us. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you, and uh, have a have a lovely day. Me too. Thank thank you, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That was Umera Malik, a uh, clinical advice coordinator from uh, from Beat, and uh, you know some good work that they are doing. Uh, over there as well it's important that you know especially young ones especially children have this understanding as well and if they you know if teachers or parents do need advice um, on how to you know how to tackle this uh, maybe they see it in their children maybe the children has a disorder maybe they think they have it didn't have a disorder or they have a sort of 
an abnormal sort of eating pattern or something that they you know they're concerned about they should definitely get uh, get get you know get the get the help which is get the help and assistance which is uh, which is available um it's, there's no you know there's no need for any sort of um or oh, what would they say what would they think all these, all these taboo topics and um discussions which have you know which happen in different sort of um backgrounds and families but it's important to get the help where is you know where it's needed isn't it it's yeah definitely yeah and generally nowadays i think there's a lot of um, available generally as well available um, um on the internet as well hmm. it's just that you have to be um you know uh, you don't take it as uh, you know everything yeah. as, uh, as for a granted. Pl- uh, yeah 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 it has to be um, uh, it sh- should be uh, you know some balance and check in that that you know whatever you're getting is it is it proper so the resource hmm. um, which you are uh, contacting i think it if it is reliable resource we have got like nhs is a good resource and they hmm. they do give a good information as well really about the diet so um there is uh, something called eat well guide and it is available on online as well hmm. and according to the eat well guide obviously it guides you about the the right amount of food um and what 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 consists of a, a like a healthy uh, diet and healthy weight so um you have to follow the five day five a day rule yeah fruit and, fruit vegetables. and vegetables yeah. and that's, that's, that's a given very, that's very a common. given so so what what is what is a five day so basically based um, meals on higher fiber starchy foods like potatoes bread rice or pasta mm. have some dairy or dairy alternatives such as soya drinks eat some beans pulses fish eggs meat and other proteins mm. uh, also choose unsaturated oils and f- spreads and eat them in small amounts yeah so they are essential but very small but very <laughs> small amounts yeah need all that and and also to drink plenty of fluids uh, um so some people it's recommended 6 to 8 glasses mm. but every individual it, he, he can have his own individual needs as well uh, particularly i i think that the children sometimes they forget to to drink to water, drink water yeah. uh, unless somebody reminds them just and like as in elderly them, yeah. elderly it's a common problem but with the elderly the problem is that uh, they are um, thirst center mm. you know the, you have got a, a center which tells you that you you are thirsty you need mm. to drink and that drink. depends on the specific gravity the, the the more concentrated your blood becomes it gives the information that you go and eat uh, some fluid but uh, it, it fails as you become older mm. uh, in, in that early but, the, but in children although it may be uh, efficient and active but your other activities you are so involved sometimes that uh, you know you are playing and you don't want to miss something mm. uh, during the play so you don't want the, you don't want to you break don't want for, to bring, yeah. for for having a, a, a some some kind of drink so eat well guide also states that if you are having foods and drinks that are high in fat salt and sugar have these have these less often and in small amounts so salt sugar fat yeah these are the three things which are you have to be you know limited cautious yourself, about very cautious try to choose a variety of different foods from the five main food groups to get a wide uh, range of nutrients most people in the uk they eat and drink too many calories and too much saturated fat mm. sugar and salt and not enough fruit vegetables oily fish or fiber mm. so it, this balance has to be put right 
Uh, and I, I think the very first step is to become conscious of that. Yeah. Uh, once you become conscious and everything, you know, uh, uh, then you, you, you can gradually make a change, make a difference mm. and um, uh, stop the habits. Uh, of course, activity is is also one of the main things that when you are looking at the diet, also see that even if you have you have eaten you know healthy diet, but if you are sitting and not doing anything, uh, then you become a, a very likely to be become a couch potato and <laughs> something like that. You know, because you are sitting there, you're not. Even they say that even if you are sitting somewhere, yeah, you keep your arms moving, keep your head moving, keep yeah. your legs moving, move your legs sometimes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so stretch your legs, and and that will make a difference because uh, end of the day, it is activity, it is making you hmm. move. But you know, sometimes it's, it's uh, some people say that yes, you know. We can't, we cannot move that much because we're in the office all, all the whole day oh, and we're doing this, we're doing that as well. But also, you know, getting up every now and then and doing a few, you know, uh, you know, just a few moves yeah, and walking a little can, bit. You, can, you, can you do set that. up uh, alarms on, on yeah. your watch <laughs> on your every, every <laughs> one hour, they remind you. Yeah, literally. You. It reminds <laughs> you literally that, you know, you just get up, go and have a round. Uh, you know, on on my watch, if I'm looking at my watch right now, it's saying that I need to get up. And <laughs> 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 it's been about 45 minutes since we sat down in the studio. Yeah, that's that's important. And uh, and the thing is that the, both these things have to be balanced. You know, the, yeah. the, what yeah. you are putting in and what you are, because um, and of the calories, calories is the amount mm. you uh, you burn and if you're burning the calories um, you're providing the body with the calories but you are not burning it hmm. it is going to be deposited in the form of fat of, of the form uh, part, yeah exactly and, and then uh, and then you know that is quite natural that when you you need something and I usually give an example that you know look at your table when you bring your fruit in hmm. You know, the, the first fruit which finishes is the grapes, the hmm. easiest to yeah, eat. Yeah, the easiest to eat. <laughs> easiest to eat, okay? Yeah, Follow it, exactly. followed by, you know, the bananas will be gone quickly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, end of the day, you know, then the pears will go. But the, the yeah. berries, you know, strawberries, they, they, they can be eaten. But uh, in the end, you see this, the apples are still there. Hmm. Uh, because... You know, nobody is going to uh, to cut them to and cut uh, them. Yeah. However, if you if somebody makes a fruit salad for you, yeah, you will be very keen to eat it because yeah. it's uh, it's quite nice and, and it's got all the uh, yeah, all the yeah, different I, I think and and that that could be one thing that the the parents can do for the children hmm. that if they if they make some fruit salad for you, they will be um, gradually get into it. Yeah. And they will get involved and they they do like if if you make a habit of uh, uh, children to to and they start liking they start the liking fruit it, right yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. And then they they carry on like that exactly it's, it's, it can work both ways as well isn't it? it's, mm. it's also you know fruit salads as well but you can also make a vegetable uh, salad as well vegetable salad so fruit it's, salad it's how, you know you can make, make, the, make it interesting mm. um, our, you know we, we are lucky that we have our guide uh, the holy prophet uh, may peace and blessings of Allah no, be upon him obviously who has all his instructions come from the from the instructions of God Almighty through the holy Quran Absolutely. and he has uh, uh, emphasized the importance of a balance diet and he has stressed upon avoiding overeating hmm. and he says that a man does not fill any vessel worse than his stomach and is sufficient for the son of Adam to eat enough to keep him alive but if he must do that then one third for his food one third for his drink and one third for his, for his air so he can breathe properly uh, so, so can sometimes breathe. you so, eat so, so, so much he cannot even and walk you can't it, even walk it's, sometimes it's very after. interesting that you know this uh, obviously these uh, the, the current studies they are 
knew and they were not there at the time of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings yeah. of Allah be upon him. But he says that, you know, when when you are still uh, feel like you can still eat more, mm. then you leave there. Then you, then you leave, there. leave yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they have established that, you know, you have got in your brain, there is something called a satiety center. Right. That uh, it tells you that, you you, you know, you, you have satiated your diet, your, your food. You, yeah. you, you don't need a, to, to eat anymore. So to satisfy your satiety center. But the thing is that this satiety center is dependent on the sugar levels in your blood. Mm. Now, when you are eating, of course, the food is not directly being converted to, to glucose. Mm. So it takes a while after eating the food, at least 15 to 20 minutes, to that, 20 minutes that yeah. when the, the, the sugar level goes uh, starts rising. Mm. And once the sugar level starts rising, then then you feel satiated. Then mm. the, your satiety center is satisfied. Mm. So if you start eating just before you have filled up yourself, that is about the right about time, the right time. To, to stop. Yeah. Because after, if you, if you stop eating, or maybe you have you might have experienced that, um, you know, you were waiting for 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 something to be warmed up or something yeah. to be, is, has yeah. not come. Maybe the uh, Swedish, uh, which you were uh, maybe <laughs> Swedish, and uh, and because it has not arrived on time, and and you stopped eating, and yeah. after uh, when it came after ten minutes, you didn't then feel you, like you eating. don't feel like you you feel you feel full. So so this is this exactly. is very you know in in accordance with this uh, this uh, this is very very scientific that uh, when you still have some uh, appetite left, mm. you should uh, stop eating mm. and. So the, so one third is still left, and and you feel comfortable, and later on actually you realize that, uh, um, and you say that oh thank God, mm. uh, I didn't eat too much, and I have been comfortable because of that. You know sometimes you know when you go to a restaurant as well, sometimes after bringing the starter and the food, they sometimes delay it on purpose so that you will get full anyway, and then you know they will they will bring the food and you don't <laughs> feel like eating it. <laughs> so you've ordered it so you they can you're going to pay for it anyway yeah. but uh, it, it's something it's something like that as well um so all of these things are to be you know looked at uh, as well now a very a very common question is what 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 exactly is a five a day campaign and we hear about it so much but what exactly is that five a day campaign so that is actually based on advice from the world health organization which recommends eating a minimum of 400 grams of fruit and vegetables a day and benefits of uh, eating five a day are, I mean, you might know these already, but uh, fruit and vegetables are a good source of vitamins and minerals, including folate, vitamin C and potassium, something which has, we have just mentioned as well. They're an excellent source of dietary fiber, which can help to maintain a healthy gut and uh, and prevent uh, constipation and other the digestion problems as well. And a high diet in fiber can also reduce your, li- your, your risk of bowel cancer as well. So that's something which is quite, quite, uh, quite important. And they can also help to reduce your risk of heart diseases, strokes and some other types of uh, cancer as well. Fruit and vegetables contribute, as, you know, as we all know, to, 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 to a healthy and a balanced diet. And they taste, I mean, they taste delicious and they also... Um, so much, you know, there's so much variety, variety. to choose from. Um, particularly, so you know, if you can choose the the seasonal fruits. Yeah. One, they are sweet. Seasonal <laughs> fruits, yeah, exactly. Yeah, seasonal yeah. fruits. So during the season, if you eat, and and, and they are they are uh, cheaper to buy as well, so they're not a big burden on your pocket. Uh, yeah. um, uh, because normally, um, you know, there is a tendency that, of course, the fruits are 
uh, even vegetables in this country are much more expensive mm. uh, than than the the, the the things which are made of uh, sugar. Uh, and they, to, in order to attract uh, their customers, they have made it um, even cheaper. You mm. know the, the the sugary things, but of course you have to uh, to make the right choice uh, if if you want yourself and your children to remain healthy as well. Mm. And uh, of course, when the children will be aware that what they are eating is a healthy and their diet is healthy, mm. I think they will not have that tendency which we initially started uh, the topic with was that they start unnecessary dieting. Yes. So if they are aware that their diet is healthy, they, that whatever is eaten in their in their household is healthy, then they will not have that tendency of trying to find out uh, that they go off food completely, mm. or they are uh, you know they are they are uh, making unhealthy choices in order to um, to to make their uh, weight correct. Mm. Now that uh, leads to a question that oh you know what is a what is a correct weight of a child? What is a healthy weight? Healthy weight. So yeah. for a children aged um, two to eighteen, um, uh, NHS Body Mass Index (BMI) yeah. calculator. It can be used to check whether it is a healthy weight or not, uh, and uh, you can easily go on the internet. Just put in the BMI, and you can put height and weight, uh, and uh, it can calculate your body mass index. And, and and basically, it is your your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meet in meters. Mm. Um, so that that is what is a body mass index, and if their weight is right for their height, and the result is given as a as a centile. So in a child in children, it is calculated as a centile or percentile, mm. and a healthy weight result is between the third and ninety first centile. And the BMI calculator also takes into account your, your age, age and your, your gender, gender well. your weight, yeah. your height as well. Um, so of course, uh, the, the the boys and girls, their the weights can be different yeah. because their height is different, and it's also uh, um, uh, that 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 will um, take into consideration of your your, your gender height and, and calculate what what it should be, so that you are aware that this is this is the range you are in, and you don't have to unnecessarily worry and start dieting. dieting as well. And it's good that some some schools already have that. There's nurses which you know which you go around each child, each student, and they go and check everyone as well, make sure everybody is uh, is fine. Um, some other methods to maintain a healthy lifestyle as well. The Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, who is the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has encouraged and highlighted the impact of a healthy body on one's soul. Now, this is also something which is important. It's not. I mean, it's not just about it's not just about physical appearance and uh, you know you know being physically active, but also it's about how much that has an effect on your soul and how much you benefit from that spiritually as well. So he says that it should be understood that according to the Holy Quran, the natural state of man is intimately related to his moral and spiritual state, so much so that even his eating and drinking habits affect his moral and spiritual states. That is why the Holy Quran emphasizes the physical cleanliness and physical moderation of prayers, inner cleanliness and devotions. After careful consideration, one concludes that this is the true philosophy and that physical organs have had effect on the soul. And this is from his uh, masterpiece, The Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam, pages 18 to 19. Now, the you know other methods can be adopted to maintain healthy weight. 
especially in children. And this, uh, you know, the NHS has done a good thing. They've uh, advised um, uh, different things in relation to this as well, being a good more role model. Any changes um, that are that are made to a child's diet and lifestyle are much more likely to be accepted if the changes are small and involves the whole family as well. And these can include family playtime in the park, which is both fun and a great opportunity for everyone to sort of, you know, the whole family to bond and spend time together. And child size portions, we spoke, you know, spoken about, spoke about that as well, that whatever you put into your plate, make sure that is enough for you to eat. And if you want to have any more, you can, you know, just get another portion instead of filling up your plate and then, you know, some of the some of the food which is in your plate going to going to waste. Um, and, you know, avoiding junk foods is also one thing which is very, very much important. Discouraging sugary or high-fat foods like sweets, cakes, biscuits. The thing is, is that these things can be eaten, they can be consumed, but the moderation should definitely be there. Uh, these foods and drinks tend to be high in calories and low in nutrients, and instead aim to get most calories from uh, from other healthy foods, such as fruits and vegetables, something which we spoke about just now as well. And starchy foods like bread, potatoes, pasta, rice, preferably whole, whole meal, but still rice anyway in general. And um, sort of, you know, not having any, any, any cold drinks, fizzy drinks, avoiding that as much as possible as well. As we mentioned, it's not just about the diet, it's about the sleeping patterns, especially for children as well. So one tip is that uh, to to keep children avoid sitting and lying around too much, as it makes it more likely for them to to put on you know a little bit of weight as well. Make sure they didn't turn into couch potatoes. Limiting the time of t- uh, you know the amount of time a child spends uh, on inactive pastimes, such as you know watching television, or if they if they're playing video games, or you know on other sort of devices as well. Um, Experts say that uh, children should watch no more than two hours of television each day. And, you know, this is important. It's important for them to, you know, get them up and running and moving uh, as well. Now, so it's not yeah. only the television, I think it's the screens, all it's the, the screens. screens all of these the devices. Mobile screens, the tablets, the, all, all the... Uh, so, in fact, it, it should be calculated that this, this is what is your activity limited to this one. Mm. And um, getting active, obviously, children, they need um, 60 minutes of physical activity. You know, for adults, they recommend 30 minutes activity uh, for uh, for even the cardiac rehab. They say that 30 minutes activity five days a day, mm. four, five days a week is uh, essential. But for children, obviously, they are much more active. They have much more energy. They should have at least, they should be at least six minutes um, activity, physical activity, uh, it can be divided into, you know, 10 minutes each or five minutes outburst as well, rapid, uh, but then in total, um, in 24 hours, at least 60 minutes of very at least. active physical uh, uh, physically, they should be very, very active, and, uh, and that is that is what is going to to help them not to, you know, not to get, uh, you know, yeah. tend on one side as well. Yeah. Now, to sort of, you know, we're coming towards the the end of our show as well. The promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has said in his book, uh, the philosophy of the teachings of Islam. So far as our te- uh, as so far as our eating, drinking, sleeping and awaking are concerned, they are essential physical actions and they affect our spiritual well-being. Our physical goal is manifested related to our humanity. The relationship of body and soul is such that 
one cannot easily um, the one cannot uh, explain it easily careful observation shows that the body is a mother to the soul and you know nourishing both of these things are very very much important the body as well as the soul and then we can of course advance in not just our physical uh, betterment physical health but also our moral benefits as well moral health and also on top of that our spiritual um, essence and a spiritual goal, and uh, and, uh, and I think the the uh, heads of well. all the uh, our our khulafa, the the caliphs, uh, yeah. the, the caliphs, they have been, they have continuously, you know, we have observed them that they have been regularly doing exercise, absolutely, and our current head has the same routine, absolutely. Join us after the break. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. In this part of the show, we are speaking, uh, we're going to be talking about the Turin Shroud. Um, and uh, of course, the challenge, which is uh, you know related to that, in connection to that, one the one million dollar challenge, which if anyone can can actually um, prove it uh, to be to be uh, fortified or proved it uh, prove it to be wrong or false. Now, the we'll give you know sort of a, a, a sort of an introduction to that, a background information to what exactly is a Turin shroud. And um, how you know why, why it's so significant, and what uh, what does Islam say in regards to? I mean, how it's re- how it's linked to a particular prophet uh, uh, as well, an Israelite prophet. Now, Prophet Jesus, peace be upon you, peace be upon him, is an important figure in religious history, as is the case with most historical accounts. There are bits and pieces regarding the story of Jesus. Salam, peace be upon him, which are sort of sometimes we can see as if they can be, they can appear to be unclear, and uh, they are being researched on. And one of one piece of evidence from the life of Jesus is the Turin Shroud or the tra- Shroud of Turin. Now, many Christians believe that this particular cloth is the one in which uh, Jesus Christ was uh, wrapped up in, and then left an imprint on his face and uh, of his body as well. However, some scientists believe it to be a forgery, including those from the British Museum and Oxford University who conducted carbon tests in 1988. And research continues, I mean, of course, research is going to continue anyway, Included, including by award-winning filmmaker David Rolfe, Rolf, who has uh, offered the following challenge. If... They believe the shroud is a medieval forgery. I call on them to repeat the exercise and create something similar today. He says that they said it, it, it was knocked up by a medieval conman. And I say, well, if they could do it, you must be able to do it as well. And if they can, there's a $1 million donation for your funds. So that's very interesting. So we... We'll look. We'll look into 
you know the 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 history of Jesus peace be upon him and the evidence of the Shroud of Turin. So of course, um, I mean this, this tells us the the confidence he has in his his exactly. firm belief exactly. that this is the true and it's original. Um, uh, the Turin is original and is a re- original piece of cloth in which uh, Prophet Jesus, on whom be peace, was wrapped up. Uh, you know, yeah. at the time when he was crucified. Yeah. So but he has uh, he he's very very confident, and that's why he has given this one million dollar challenge uh, to to those who think that it was a forgery and uh, so he he's, he's uh, obviously um, given this uh, evidence that it is sort of an evidence that that this uh, shroud is the the true mm. um to that particular to, to, to that particular cloth yeah now the holy quran says in chapter 4 verse 158 and they're saying, we did kill the Messiah, Jesus, son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. Whereas they slew him not, nor crucified him, but he was made to appear to them like one crucified. And this is very, very interesting. Now, this is the reason why this is interesting is because we as Ahmadi Muslims, we believe that the, you know, the, the Jews at that time, they, they did try to, they did try to uh, kill him. They did try to crucify him. Uh, they did even put him on the cross, but we, as Ahmadi Muslims, we believe that he was, as he was a messenger of God, as he was, as he prayed to God Almighty the night before as well. God Almighty answered his prayers, and he was not crucified on the, he, uh, you know, he, I mean, he was put on the cross, but he did not he die, did on, not the die cross. on the cross. That's yeah. that's what we believe as well. Something which is actually, um, you know, different uh, Muslims believe uh, in in different stories and different uh, things and different accounts, but we as Ahmadi Muslims believe in this one. Now. We're very honoured to have David Rolfe uh, with us, who's an award-winning for- filmmaker, who, as I just mentioned, um, challenged the British Museum that if the Children's Shroud is forgery, that show how it was done. David, peace be upon you, and uh, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much uh, for for joining us this uh, this afternoon. Um, to begin with, how did you sort of get introduced to the tra- the Shroud of Turin, and what were your sort of initial thoughts about it? Well, uh, I was a aspiring filmmaker back in the 1970s hmm. and uh, graduated from the London Film School. And it's hard to imagine, but in those days, there was only two te- television channels. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it wasn't easy to, as a filmmaker to get work, but I, I made quite a lot of uh, corporate films. And, and I wanted to get my teeth into something else. And I advertised for hmm. the fact that I was looking for ideas that I might be able to uh, raise some independent funding for. Mm. And and I've received lots of ideas, actually, from all around the country, but there was only one that really stuck out to me, and that was uh, sent to me by a, a historian and author called Ian Wilson, who had um, was writing a book about this thing called The Shroud of Turin, which I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not surprising because I didn't have a particularly religious background. Um, but it was a medieval, it was, it was a cloth that was known to have existed from medieval times. Hmm. But it had an image of a crucified person on it. And what struck me was that when you look at the cloth, it, the image of the cloth uh, with a naked eye, you can pick it out, but it's, um, I don't know how many of your audience 
will remember the times when uh, you actually had before you had a photograph you had to have a negative a negative yeah exactly and then you had to have a photograph but these days of course it's all digital and of on course. the phones but back in the back in the in the, in the day if you wanted to take a, a photograph mm. you first of all created a negative image and then put it went into a dark room and and with an enlarger and you then got the positive image well yeah, it has been a, a very even up to recently. You know, so it's not not very long ago that <laughs> you. Know, I still remember having the negatives and uh, even. Just how old can, can I? Can, dare I ask how old are you? Oh well, I'm I'm sixty four <laughs> at the moment. Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. Okay, well, no, no, you 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 will remember. Yeah. You will remember. I'm 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 in my seventies now, but mm-hmm. you will remember negatives. But yeah. I'm afraid. I mean, not not afraid, but why should they? But the you know, the younger generation, will, unless they've actually studied photography, won't mm. know it. But anyway, coming back to the shroud, yeah. what was interesting was that the you could you could make out the image on the on the on the cloth, mm. the, both the, the front and the back of a body, as if as if like a sandwich, the cloth had been folded over it. But it was only when you photographed the cloth that you it, it seemed as if it was actually a negative and suddenly when you saw the actual negative it looked like a positive and it was so much easier to to see and uh, and understand and to me I, I mean i wasn't i wasn't religious i had i'd been christened um but i didn't go to church but i i thought that there is something really mysterious about this medieval cloth that should make a good film and so i uh, started on it and eventually did raise a good a good healthy budget to make it and discovered that all around the world uh, in those pre-internet days you've got to remember people people worked in silos hmm. and they didn't know about each other but um, because I was researching it I tracked them down and all over the world there were different ex- experts in their own field who were studying this thing uh, forensic pathologists for example studied the wounds and, and and could tell that they could only be explained not as artists depicted the crucifixion because they just assumed that the nails went through the palms of the hands which obviously just wouldn't carry the weight of the body the nails were going through the wrists which is the only place that will take the weight. all those sorts of details and uh, there was also a discovery by some american um, uh, researchers using some equipment recently developed by nasa and they scanned the image and discovered that the relative if you, if you the relative darkness of the image where it was light and shade you could actually recreate a three-dimensional image from the cloth and that was really mm. astounding wow. so um all of this came together and the film i eventually f- finished the film and it won a BAFTA that year for the best documentary, so I have I have much to um, to thank it for. Well, well. So, wh- what were your what were the sort of the defining features of the cloth that that led you to sort of believe that it, it wasn't forged and it was actually the, the you know the, the burial cloth of of Jesus? Well, here we have to to look at the possible causes of the image, and I, and I know. The Amadea, um I mean, incidentally, let me just mention the inception of this film hmm. 
actually took place at your jail for Solana. Oh, well, well. Where, where I had been invited to talk, and in conversation with some other guests there, I, I happened to mention that I was... Um, I thought that in my early 70s, I, I had one more film left in me. Mm. And funnily enough, the people I was talking to took that home with them, and sometime later, uh, well, in fact, a couple of years later, I suddenly got a message to say they wanted to um, finance the film. So this film has its inception at the Jalsa Savannah. Wow, wow. That's very interesting. Very interesting, very interesting. Mm. And um, I'm very grateful yeah. because, because the, uh, the Yamadiya community very generously invite the British Society for the Turin Shroud uh, for the last few Jalsas and uh, before, obviously, COVID. Yeah, and uh, it was a great way to get to know you all, or as much as much as possible. Anyway, very instructive. Absolutely, absolutely. Was the the spe- specific? I'm mean, going a little bit off tangent as well, but um, as we you know, we just had our Joseph Salana, the annual convention this this weekend as well. Um, obviously, due to you know COVID restrictions, it was just limited uh, to to internal guests, but. Um, hopefully, in the future, external guests will, will come back as well. Hopefully, God, God willing. But just specifically speaking about the annual convention, the the the, the community as well. Did His Holiness, the, you know, the worldwide uh, Caliph of the community, may may God be his helper. Did he give any sort of remarks uh, in regards to this that you know that you recorded or anything like that? Well, uh, uh, yes, he 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 very generously entertained the. Um, the the representatives of the British Society of the Turin Shroud, and mm. and clearly was um, was was pleased as we were that the uh, cause, because one of the things that happened was was uh, Barry Schwartz also from America mm. Mm. Uh, and Pam Moon in this country bought the full size replica yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, so there was quite an impressive exhibition there and. Um, uh, yes, it was much appreciated, um, and as 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 we appreciated being there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're welcome uh, to come uh, any time. Anyway, um, talking about talking about you know the actual radiocarbon dating, which was tested in in 1988. How? Why did they think otherwise? Then why did they sort of think that it was forged? Well, uh, it, it's uh, that I go into that. In some detail, in, in on this new uh, film, which is streaming now, but the the weight of evidence in favour of authenticity had been growing ever since I made that first film, The Sign of Witness, in in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. Following that, there was a, a scientific a team called STERP, the, the Shroud of Turin Research Project, which were given access to the shroud. Uh, for about a week in mm. Turin, and, and they worked uh, day and night for a week doing every possible uh, non-destructive test and examination that could be done to the car. Mm. And they had come to, to very specific conclusions about the nature of the image, which suggested that the, the image itself was difficult to explain, mm. but it was genuinely of a crucified person, and there were lots of other details, but on the basis of this, mm. the Vatican decided that um, if it could be carbon dated, it, this could be a really good thing for the church. And mm. one of the reasons 
that it had not been carbon dated up until that time yeah. was because um, you needed about the area of about a, two handkerchiefs of material that needed to be destroyed in the process. Right, right. And yeah. No one was prepared to, to burn that amount of the shroud. But there was a new process that actually could do could could carry out the test with something as small as a five penny piece. Mm. Um, and so the Vatican decided that it would that it should now be done. But what they didn't realise, and it, and it's understandable, um, the world of carbon fourteen testing at that time, especially with this new technique yeah. that had been developed, was extremely competitive. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just a matter of, 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 of just um, routinely asking for a test to be done. It really set the cat among the pigeons. Hmm. And all the seven labs that, that could do the test started vying for the, for the process, knowing that only, only a very few of them would actually be selected to do it. Right. The, uh, the Vatican also realized that it would not be right for them to be actually presiding over the whole thing. So they appointed the British Museum to be the independent uh, advisor, a, a supervisor of the test. Mm -hmm. And everything was placed in their hands. So the Vatican stood back and then the British Museum were in charge. But unfortunately, it wasn't as simple as that because the Turin authorities hmm. really wanted to have their own say in what was going on and there was lots of tension and, and the consequences of all of this meant that the protocols that the British Museum had originally uh, devised to say that these protocols must be, if you want to get an accurate test, these are the five essential things that must be part of the process. Hmm. For various reasons, all five of those protocols had to be set aside. Now the British Museum at that point should have said we can't go ahead with the test mm -hmm. because the protocols are not in place. However, and I, I go into some details of what went on behind the scenes in the film and it wouldn't be right, frankly, to discuss it in open air, but things that shouldn't shouldn't have happened did happen. The test went ahead, and it, they ended up testing a, a corner of the shroud mm -hmm. that um, had, turns out to have been subject in the Middle Ages to a repair, a very careful in repair, invisible to the naked eye. Right. And right. and so it, the, instead of because they were going to test several different areas of the shroud, but they only ended up testing this one corner mm. and it was a repair and that's why the date came out as a middle age. But they they could not say we've made a mistake. They had to, because their whole reputation depended on it, <laughs> Yeah, they had to state that this is the date of the shroud. And from that moment on, frankly, for, for most of the world, the shroud has, has, has disappeared out of view and there's just very few people uh, very few dedicated people around the world that know what happened mm -hmm. and and trying to restore it to justice and and I'm pleased to say the new film that I've, I'm making is, is already seems to be having some effect. Mm -hmm. I mean definitely definitely I mean if specifically we're speaking about um, the you know our community the Ahmadiyya Muslim community 
I mean, we we hold the Turin Shroud very very dear and very close to us because it, you know it just it supports it supports what we what we believe in. Um, David, what what's, what what does your documentary film sort of aim to get across to the general public though? For us, the, for Ahmadi Muslims, it's you know it, it very much supports us like, like I just mentioned. But to the general public, what, what what message are you sort of trying to get across? Well, now, the, this this may cut across uh, one of the aspects of the Ahmadiyya belief, which is that the the, the the image itself is caused by contact between the uh, the bodily fluids of of, of the corpse yep. that that translated themselves to to the cloth. And you could understand why uh, why that might be a, a a potential theory. The only problem is that what is now known about the image is, is that the whatever it was that caused the image did not penetrate into the cloth in any way. Um, the, the The thickness of the image can only be measured in microns, mm. um, and that's so. But as I say, it, it, it's that's one of the aspects. And for me, as a as one of the reasons you asked me at the beginning of this interview, what got me yeah. interested yeah. in it, and I and I told you it was the positive negative aspect of it. And having been before I was a filmmaker, I was a photographer, and so I spent a lot of time in a dark room, taking the energy from the light bulb in an enlarger and creating prints from it and, and and manipulating the light to see how it fell off and, and to and fade off in one direction or another. So I was personally very light to me was quite a tangible thing and and what I could see on the shroud image and and this is what explains its three dimensionality hmm. is that yeah. the the closer the, the say the tip of the nose, for example, which was obviously protrudes and and, and and touching the cloth, and the socket of the eye is is not it's it's deeper in, but only mm. only a small amount. Mm. But the light, the intensity of the image falls off between the tip of the nose and the socket of the eye, and it falls off around all the contours of the body. And what I've done in this film for the first time is blended. The new CGI technology, which which all the new all all the superhero movies and so on are made from, but <laughs> but instead of getting artists to design these things, I've just taken the data, uh, the the contrast data from the cloth, and my graphic designers of using CGI have taken that data and actually brought it to life, as it were. They've actually taken that. Uh, three-dimensional data and you actually see the person because you've got the, the the front of the body on one side of the crowd and the back of the body on the other and in the film we actually bring this ventral and dorsal image together to create one figure now the idea that a forger could have done anything like this is mm. just preposterous yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so that's uh, that, that's the climax of the film uh, and it's um, uh, it's it's something I'm very very pleased that we've finally been able to do. Mm. So one one question which is comes to my mind is that yes, it is 
body fluids. But is it possible that um, this fluid would could, could have come from a dead body, or is it essential that because you know uh, uh, blood does not flow out of a dead body; it flows out of a living body. Mm. So, uh, if the, the the blood has come out then obviously it indicates that the person who was wrapped was still alive. Um, well, uh, it's also true to say, of course, that um, blood stains yeah. um, uh, on the body, and of course it, can, it begins to congeal. And, and if, you, if in, in the Gospel accounts, uh, because of the, 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 after the crucifixion, there was no time to wash the body. Yeah. And so the that's what the disciples were when they went to the tomb on the following day, it was to carry out the the Jewish uh, uh, washing customs that mm. previously had not been done. So um you you could assume whichever way you like to do it but th- this what you're looking at are is sort of dried blood yeah. that, that had accumulated on the uh, on the image, and of course, it one of the things is is interesting because in in, in crucifixion, yeah, um, not many people realise this, but the the victim of a crucifixion eventually died by suffocation because the the nails through the feet. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and the uh, and the uh, in order to avoid suffocating, the victim had to pull himself up with his arms to take the weight off his feet. Yeah, and, and eventually exhaustion overcame. Yeah, and uh, the uh, the he couldn't once once the victim couldn't do that, they they basically stopped. Yeah. They su- they suffocated because they couldn't breathe. Yeah, in those circumstances. And what you have on the shroud. Is, is the two different positions: the upper position, where he's putting the weight on the feet, and the lower position where he slumps, and the and the trickles of blood on the arms in particular, mm. actually, and and on the wrists, show those two positions mm-hmm. where blood had trickled out. Uh, and this is not this is not me talking, of course. This this is a forensic pathologist who um, who have the expertise to study it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's the view that, that I think pervades mostly. And uh, does that make a difference to? I mean, I, I know the idea that Jesus could have survived and and gone on to India, for example. I don't think that is precluded by that fact. Um, but anyway, that may be just a an ignorant thing from my point of view. Okay. So, is there any new research planned further for the, you know, on the shroud that can unveil more details? Well, um, it's it's nice that you should ask that, but you've got to remember, I depend on other people. I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am not a scientist or a scholar. Hmm. I've got. I'm I'm pleased to say I've got to know most of the most eminent uh, scholars on the subject, and they're the ones I depend on for the research and my job is, has been simply to try and depict that research as accurately and as graphically as possible 
So uh, but what I can tell you is at 72, um, this will be my last film on the subject. It's, um, it's, it, it, uh, making any kind of film is uh, it, quite a strenuous process. And, um, and my job now, having finished the film, and this is why I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk to you, um, is my, my job now is to try and get as many people as possible to see it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because, of, because of the way the, the result of that carbon-14 test was announced in such a damning way, I mean, uh, when, when, when the Oxford, head of the Oxford Radiocarbon Unit, one of the journalists at the press conference threw out a question and, and said, well, how was this thing created? And he simply said, some medieval forger faked it up and flogged it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why, at the end of this film, I have been able to offer uh, the British Museum a million dollars if they can recreate an image with the same characteristics. And so far, they haven't responded. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I think that's a great job you have done that, you know, because that proves and I was earlier talking uh, as well that um, your confidence uh, that uh, of your belief in the truth, what you believe. Uh, and I think you have laid a foundation. And uh, I personally believe, as a member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well, that this is just the beginning. And uh, it is go go going to go on further to reveal further, uh, a lot of further truth Truths about Shroud. Well, yeah. uh, but you have done a great job, and um, I hope you, you will be rewarded for that. Can I just, just let, your, let, let your listeners know, who can he be? dot com um is that's where the filming film is streaming now all over the mm. world who can he be dot com that's great that's great, that's great. thank you who can he be dot com definitely definitely check that we'll check that out as well uh, david rolf uh, you know a pleasure to have you on the show uh, this afternoon thank you so much and uh, like my co-presenter said you know may god bless you as well in your in your endeavors uh, as well, especially in regards to in regards to this one. Thank you once again. Peace be upon you. Thank me. you. So, well, you know, what a pleasure, what a delight to to speak to David Rolfe. Uh, there is one award-winning filmmaker who, you know, as you just mentioned, uh, challenged the British Museum with a million dollars um, if they if they can, you know, make a replica, make a make a make the same thing as uh, the shroud of uh, of Turin. It's, it's very, very interesting. I, I, th I think this it point is, he has raised is. is that, yes, of course, they might be right that the, whatever they did, the research, um, it, it, sh it showed that it was something from medieval areas. Um, era, but it is... Uh, uh, but he has clarified that it, the the piece, because it was just one piece they took, yeah. rather than you know taking from the various parts. So and, and that that small piece, which was like a five pen size, uh, he says that it could be that that was the, the one which was repaired, hmm. because this shroud ha had been repaired, and the, of course the cloth which was used for the darning purpose for the um, uh, for the repairs. That obviously was the time when this repair was done. Mm. So it is not the original piece. It was just, it happened to be that particular piece. So unless they they could do a, from a different part as well yeah. to prove 
that this this was uh, uh, the, the, this was something which was a forgery. And I think the, uh, what big, bigger a challenge can be that a one million dollar offer <laughs> to to the to the London Literally. Museum? Why Literally. not? You know. But I, I think it 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 would can create a lot of interest and it will. Uh, further open the doors for people to do more research on that, and, exactly. and ultimately, it is going to prove that uh, it was originally the uh, you know it was a living person who was wrapped in that, and that was mm. uh, the Prophet Jesus, absolutely uh, peace, absolutely, who was still alive when he was wrapped in that. I mean, of course, what uh, what you know what what we believe in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well in regards to this as well. Let's. Um, let's listen to a, a brief audio clip, which uh, which will explain what uh, His Holiness the Fourth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on him, answering the query about the authenticity of the of the shroud. Let's listen to that right now. You see, this question presupposes that until the discovery of this so-called shroud, we have no evidence. Of Jesus is uh, deliverance from the cross. And Ahmadiyyat came to be born along with the discovery of Shroud. It's absolutely wrong. Shroud could only work as an additional evidence in favor of our view, not at all as the fundamental and central evidence. Number one and number two, this claim that the shroud has been already proved to be fake is wrong. Nothing has been proved. The religious uh, 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 scientists who have rejected such reports that the highest scientific authorities of NASA went into the investigation of the um, dating of the shroud and they discovered with the unanimity that this shroud, according to carbon dating, could not have been older than 1200 years backwards. No knowledgeable scientists have rejected this. One of the Russian scientists, for instance, who is expert on carbon dating, he says he's surprised to find this, this claim because carbon dating is, cannot be fixed within a period of a few years only. It can swing to a thousand miles this way or a thousand miles that way. So if you add one thousand miles to twelve hundred, that would still be acceptable to scientists, should be acceptable to scientists. Moreover, that is not the only evidence in favor of the genuineness of shroud. The genuineness of Shroud has so many other evidence, or pieces of evidence, that put together they should be studied, and as such they have never been rejected by scientists. I mean, very, very clear-cut what His Holiness uh, is mentioning over there, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on his soul. Um, Let's uh, swiftly move on to, to our next guest who is on the line with us, Professor Dr. Abdul Razak Carmichael, who is a, uh, a consult- consultant surgeon and a senior member of the Review of Religions editorial board as well. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Wa alaikum assalam. Peace be upon you and thanks for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you for accepting the invitation as well. Um, we were speaking to David Rove um, just before we got you on as well, who's a, 
who has actually challenged the the you know the British the British Museum about uh, you know if they if they can prove or if they can sort of make another Turin shroud or a, a like uh, the Turin shroud they will give them will reward them of a million dollars. Um, so one of the beliefs of the Ahmadiyya uh, Muslim community, in light of the Holy Quran, is that Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, actually survived crucifixion. Now, does the Turin Shroud attest to this? So uh, the description of crucifixion comes mainly from Bible, that the Prophet Jesus Islam, was uh, subjected to scourging the night before. And according to Jewish custom, scourging should be bad enough to make the person suffer, but not die. Hence, he had evidence of bleeding just before he was put on the cross. Then we get from the Bible that while on the cross, Jesus appeared dead, and the Roman soldier or sentry checked that he was bleeding, by piercing his uh, side of his chest. And when that happened, fresh blood flew. Mm. So that gives some kind of... And then uh, the Bible says that Jesus was taken off the cross. It was given to Nicodemus, who was a very respectable member of the community. And Bible also tells us that a large number of followers of Prophet Jesus actually saw him and ate with him and witnessed his wounds few days after the events of crucifixion. Hmm. So given with this background, when we look at the shroud, does shroud show fresh blood or does it show clotted blood? If somebody has died, the blood is congealed. So they will not have the red blood cells in formed shape. Red blood cells will be all consumed to make the make the clots after death. When we look at the shrouds, they're actually formed cells. Hmm. Formed cells have to come from uh, blood, which is coming from a beating heart. Okay, so that's where evidence that the person who was within that shroud was alive. The other study is quite interesting, which shows that the person, Turing Shroud person, was moving. So dead people don't move. And one of the, when we look at the distribution of the blood, it appears that for the part, that person was uh, horizontal, and for some part, it appears that person was trying to get up. Uh, that's not what you would see in a dead person. So that's why Turing Shroud provides clear evidence supporting that as of Isa al-Islam, when he was within the Shroud, was has not died. We believe that he was unconscious at the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when we talk about um, evidence from other religious scriptures, do, do they also offer support? To the, to, you know, to, to the Islamic viewpoint? Oh, very much so. I could hmm. showed you some of the biblical um, references. And yep. then there's an important reference in Bible where the Jesus of Islam, according to the Bible, is given one miracle. 
And that miracle is to be of miracle of Jonah, that is to go in the belly of fish alive, stay there alive and come out alive. Hmm. And that applies to Hazrat Jesus Salam. Remember in those days, the graves were not like how we have in underground. Graves were like sepulchres, which were large airy rooms with a big stone close, uh, sort of obstructing the door. Hmm. The sepulchre to Hazrat Jesus Salam was the belly of the earth, the belly of the fish. So he entered the sepulchre alive. He stayed in the sepulchre alive and he came out of the sepulchre alive. Then we look at the Indus Valley religions. They demonstrate the exceptions or they, they, they sort of say about, prophesize about coming of a Mataya hmm. or Matiya, uh, which is uh, another way of saying Masiha uh, in the latter days. So all those have demonstrated that there is support for Jesus Salaam surviving the events of crucifixion and traveling on to the Indus Valley where he was expected by the followers of Indus Valley religions as the Messiah. Now, I mean, it's important that, you know, we, we, we talk about evidence from different scriptures as well because then on a, on a broader scale, we can understand that it's not just our viewpoint which supports this as well. It's, it's, it's different viewpoints from from different religions, from different scriptures as well, which you know give even more strong proof and evidence in regards to this as well. But also, when we talk about the accounts of uh, um, Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, th- there are different misconceptions uh, about what happened uh, to Prophet Jesus as well, and specifically you know talking about the belief of his ascension going towards the sky different um, muslims um you know they have this narrative they have this belief that maybe god almighty rose him um took him up to to the sky bodily uh, physically but ha- ha- where did these misconceptions come from then where did they stem from so well, we don't really know exactly where where the evidence comes from but there are a number of circumstantial things from which we can perhaps make a picture when jesus uh, was escaped the sepulcher he has to go away from the roman rule otherwise they'll capture him again and cause the same problem with them again so his saving from the cross was kept an absolute secret after he met his disciples, his whereabouts weren't revealed to other people. And when he was seen going up, and when he was walking up, it was apparently a foggy day, hmm. when you walk in a fog, you kind of disappear. So that's where kind of Paul Paulus's original concept of ascension has been coming through, which obviously I'm sure you know, hmm. came 300 after the death of Hazrat Jesus al-Islam, yeah. uh, or the advent of Jesus al-Islam. When large number of Christians accepted Islam, they weren't necessarily really understanding of all the concepts. And when some of the interpretation of the Holy Quran were mistaken, and then the two hadith about the advent of the promised Messiah and Ibn Maryam were confused. Hmm. That's where people begin to think 
that uh, the reverence they originally had for Jesus as Son of God kind of got in, took the next step and led people to believe that Jesus the Islam has physically ascended to heaven. That, as I'm sure you know, is totally against the concepts given in the Holy Quran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the Holy Quran is very clear-cut, very, you know, very uh, to the point as well. <coughs> Um, one thing which you know, which is also quite interesting as well, is that we find different secular sources as well, isn't it? That 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 prove, um, you know, that Jesus, peace be upon him, actually survived this ordeal. I mean, he was put on the cross, but then he actually survived uh, crucifixion, and then he migrated as well elsewhere uh, towards you know towards the east. Um, do, tell us a little bit more about uh, about these secular sources. Um, uh, about in regards to this, so there is no no survivor. There there, there, no, there were no um, witnesses of crucifixion, hmm. end of crucifixion. There are no witnesses of Jesus Alaslam traveling to India at, uh, before uh, uh, before Muslim Alaslam Islam explained this to us. So what we have a look at the French traveler. Uh, Bernier, when you look at his travelings, you would find that he has explained people of Afghanistan or Kashmir look very much like people of uh, Jewish origin, hmm. having the same customs, having the same shawl pattern, having the same pattern of the where when elder brother dies, the younger brother is obliged to marry the widow. So all those customs which were present in the Jewish religion at the time were also seen in the in the Afghanis and Kashmiris. Then other um, anthropological evidence we see is the graves of people in India. There are very many graveyards in India dating back to the time of Jesus Islam, where graves have all the, have all the symbols of Jewish burial, and it is thought that Thomas, who was one of the uh, disciples, is buried in India, and that is a concept that people are beginning to accept and say that where did the Jews come from? The migration of Jews according to anthropological or genetic evidence, happened at two occasions. First time, when um, at the time when Jews were um, evicted from Canaan and had two of the tribes stayed in Israel hmm. or the Palestine area and the ten tribes dispersed around the world. And the second migration happened at the time of Hazrat Isa al-Islam, when there is evidence that men and few women actually travel down. And when you trace ch- their genetic history, you can trace it to about four or five individuals hmm. who traveled from Palestine all the way to India. And then they obviously married locally. So those those uh, those anthropological anthropological evidence exists. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Professor Dr. Abdul Razak Khan, Michael, we wanted to ask you some more questions as well, but I think uh, the timing is a little bit, uh, a little bit short. But thank you so much. Uh, for joining us on our show today, specifically, you know, so talking about this uh, very, very important topic. Uh, it's been lovely speaking to you. Zakallah and uh, have a lovely day. Thank you for having me. Zakala. Peace be upon you. Peace be upon you too. Um, so very interesting um, uh, discussions, uh, both of our discussions, both of our guests who we spoke to today that we have had the pleasure of speaking to and uh, the, 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 the historical evidence, uh, the medical evidence, all of this scientific evidence, and obviously, of course, scripture uh, evidence as well. Of course, you know, the Holy Quran speaking about this in particular as well. Now, the second caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him, he explains regarding the charge about the alleged death of Jesus by crucifixion, the Quran says that. The act of crucifixion having not been completed and Jesus having been taken down alive from the cross, the charge carries no weight. It should, however, be noted that the Quran does not deny the mere hanging of Jesus on the cross. It only denies his death on it. This also, you know, proves, um, you know, talks about uh, his uh, uh, um, survival after the crucifixion. So as our guest also spoke about and told us that there was no witness there was no witness who actually, who I can actually testify that say that yes, Jesus was actually crucified on the cross. No one can actually uh, claim that. But, but I think it's a, the, the Bible which mentions about um, people seeing Jesus mm. twice on two occasions. Mm. People have seen him, whereas they they thought that he was a ghost. They thought that he was and a ghost. And he, yeah. he pointed out and they said, "Look, look at L- my wounds. Look at my wounds. These yeah. are my wounds." So. I'm not a ghost, I'm a human being. Human and then being. he also gave this evidence. He says, what are you eating? No. And they said they were eating fish and rice. Fish and they and said, rice. okay, give me some as well. And he so, ate with and them. And he ate with them. Yeah, exactly. So that, that proves that he was still alive. And, and it was, this, this was after the incidence of crucifixion. crucifixion of course. Of so course. so that's, uh, the Bible itself is, is giving that uh, yeah. evidence. Of course. I mean... There's so there's so many different evidence that we can actually you know go into more detail as well, <laughs> but uh, of course you know we we don't have that much uh, that much time as well. Something which if we could leave something with our listeners as well is that the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has written um, over eighty books, and uh, one of one of the books is uh, called uh, Jesus in India. And in this book, he, 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 he has written that in this book, I will establish beyond any measure of doubt that Jesus, peace be upon him, was not crucified and did not ascend to the heaven. And no one should entertain any hope that he will descend from heaven. He, having reached an age of 120 years, died in Srinagar, Kashmir, and his grave is in Muhalla Khanyar, and you, you know, so you've you've seen that one as well. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that. And the interesting thing is that in this tomb, yeah. which is uh, called Joseph's uh, tomb, yeah. the name Joseph, is yeah. still written. Joseph is the name of Jesus, yeah. which is they call in 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 the Hebrew language. Mm. Um, so there are two graves. So one is facing in the direction as the Jews did, as the Jews, yeah. and the other one is like a Muslim, and yeah. the other one is Sayyid Nasir Shah. Mm. His name is there as well. 
So both of them, they are there, and you can see mm. that they these two d- graves uh, in the same tomb yes, have a different same direction. tomb have a different direction, uh, yeah. and that obviously indicates that he was buried in the in the style of the mm. the Jews. The, you know, the, there's a question as well. What is what is the harm? You know, what is the harm in believing? That you know, this is uh, this this is of Jesus, Jesus and the tumors right. of, uh, of Jesus. And the, well. and the Holy Quran, obviously, of is the course. biggest evidence. The that biggest it says, evidence. It says time and again. It says, and the and the Holy Founder of the Muslim Community, um, uh, uh, on whom be peace, he has time and again mentioned mm. that you know, let him die because because of his death, his death there is a revival of the Islam. Revival Islam. Islam because is, will be the living. people, yeah. they do object that how come it is that the, the best of the prophets, the holy prophet of Islam, yes. Prophet Muhammad is buried in the earth and Jesus is, is, of course. is living up there. We, if anybody was to be saved, he was the one of course. he should have been. Of course, of course. I mean, that's all we have time for. Uh, until next time, today's show was produced by Zaina Fatima and Faiza Haq. Jazakallah to them. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.